Hello, everybody, and welcome to From Justin to Kane. I am Mike, and this is my co-host, Bob. Hey, everybody. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's Spooky Month. This is the third week of Spooky Month, that being October. Shocktober. Spooktober. Um, Easy. Careful. Se- careful. Seven more. Seven more. Let's go, Mike. <laughs> uh, Ghoul-tober. Oh, geez. Scare This is really declining. So, uh, mm-hmm. so we have a special guest on the podcast today, um, as we have the last couple of weeks. We have none other than Chris Borger from the Marvin Berry podcast. Say hello, Chris. Hello, everybody. It's me, Chris, from the Marvin Berry podcast. Thanks for having me, Mike and Bobby. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, for joining being on us. This. No worries. I'm a true canine. I've really been digging into your discography, and I've uh, been doing some deep dives. I'm... Uh, I've really got to know all the tropes of your guys' show, so I'm excited to try to hit a lot of those tropes uh, throughout. So, yeah, I hope to... I really... don't even know the tropes of our show. <laughs> this will be a real education. Oh, shit. Uh, well, oh, speaking, yeah. of, all right. speaking of tropes, that's a great segue f- to introduce the movie we're talking about today, because we're talking about a horror film with Chris called The Cabin in the Woods, which mm-hmm. is a film which explores just tropes Points at horror tropes and just winks at the camera. So, uh, Chris, what uh, we, we asked you to bring a movie to talk about. What uh, What is it about this movie you like so much? Well, I find the podcast episodes of yours I enjoy the most are the ones where I've actually never seen the movie. So I didn't watch the movie. Oh, really? I thought, <laughs> oh, no, no, I'm kidding. I did. I thought it was just a, <laughs> just a shitty curveball to throw. <laughs> well, you're all I'm here to listen. I, I, just, I just wanted a front row seat. Um Sorry. Uh, yeah, I, I love the movie. I saw it when it came out, I believe, as a teen. And when I first saw it, I didn't really get it. I was going into the kind of experience expecting to be scared mm-hmm. and um, left at the end a little confused because I was just like, what? Was it a parody? Because I'd seen scary movie, but just the whole kind of the movie to be so, I don't know, weirdly like meta and aware of itself, just mm-hmm. kind of uh, and not knowing that going into it really kind of threw me for a loop the first time watching it. Uh, but yeah, rewatching it again, I've only seen it one other time and I've heard a lot of great things. So it was fun to go back and revisit it because uh, it was fun. I had a really fun time watching it. And it held up. I think it held up and like surpassed expectations, which is maybe rare when you're like, remember that movie from 2009 I loved? Yeah. That was a comedy and you go back and you watch it and then you're like, Oh no, who am I? Like, so it's uh, it was nice to be able to watch it and enjoy it more than the first time. Yeah, it's strange sometimes when you watch a movie now that came out just 10 years ago and it feels like you're watching a movie from the 80s in that like the lighting looks like bad and then also the special effects look bad and then they say the F word for gays every once in a while and you're just like, what? Yeah. Has that much time passed or what? What? Maybe just there's been so much, so much social progress in the last five years that it... 2011 seems like a completely different era. Yeah, I wonder if I'm, uh, it's definitely, I think, uh, been like kind of expedited. <laughs> I like I, I wonder if like someone in the 90s were to go back and watch a show from the 80s. I'd be like, oh, this is so offensive. I can't believe they said this in the 80s. I feel like it's a unique time where you can go back a decade and yeah. just be like, oh, no. I felt that way in the 90s watching movies from the 80s. Just okay, it just so seemed it like up. it was so far away. But also I was very young, so. It just seemed like it was a completely different era. And so watching a movie that was like five to seven years old just seemed like you were watching like a completely like a relic of a different era that you could never experience, even though I also grew up in the 80s. You grew up in the 80s? Like I grew up in that I was born and grew (laughs) upwards. Mike, I thought you were 23. I became tall. I am 23 in spirit and maturity. I thought we were doing this podcast because it's just we're all 23. That's what we have in common. We're all 23. (laughs) That's, hey. I signed a contract explicitly stating that anyone else on the podcast had to be 23. The podcast is called 23 and Me, and it's about me and all my 23-year-old friends. <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> if your DNA doesn't check out, okay, you got 24-year-old DNA, DNA. says you're not 23. How old are you? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, just kidding. Sorry to derail this whole cinema no, conversation. That's fine. That's fine. So, Bob, you also love this movie, don't you? Yeah, I so I remember the trailer for it as a kid, and I was like, that looks like a dumb horror movie. And then I actually, my brother-in-law, who I bring up often on this podcast, because he lives 25 feet from my apartment. The mysterious brother-in-law. 
Yeah, whom someone who may refuses have on this to be named at some point. Um, yeah, I'll never name him. He's going to remain anonymous because he's not actually real. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Um, he told me to watch this movie and I was like, fine, I guess we'll watch this dumb horror movie. And he's like, no, no, you might really like it. And then when I watched it, I thought it was genius. It's just like such a fun satire on mm-hmm. horror. And the way yeah. it ends is insane for a movie. Oh, yeah. Great messages the, as well. Great choices. Oh, yeah. And the whole merman bit that they oh. they strung through the whole like Bradley <laughs> Whitford talking about merman, and then for ninety minutes he keeps bringing up merman, and you're like, is there gonna be a payoff for this bit? And sure as shit, it's the best payoff I've ever seen in movie history. Wow! Man, oh my so god, was that that's funny. hyperbole. I loved it. I love Bradley Whitford. I think he's a great actor, and I thought it was so funny. Yeah. What moment of payoff in cinema, Mike, surpasses the merman bit? Because I can't think of one. Um, yeah, me neither. Okay, I got one for you. How about <laughs> okay. Monty Python and the Holy Grail? Mm-hmm. Uh, have you guys both seen, seen that film? Yeah. yeah, many times. So halfway through the movie, the the narrator who is like narrating the movie, a, a knight rides by on a horse and like kills him, and then then the movie goes back to like the the story of like Sir Arthur and all those guys or whatever their names are. Uh, and then at the very, very, very end, once they think that they've like, they got the Holy Grail, they do all the stuff they have to do. Uh, the cops just show up, just completely breaking the reality and arrest them for murdering that guy. <laughs> and that's the end of the movie. It's like the best ending in yeah. any movie. Oh, I forgot about that ending, actually. Yeah, it's so funny because it's so stupid. And like, <laughs> you you just kind of were like, ah, that's funny. They killed that guy. But then it comes back and it's like, this cops exist in this reality and they break it and it just makes you rethink everything you saw. All right. Well, mm-hmm. in that also case, Cabin really. in the Woods has the second best cinematic payoff moment. Then, Yeah. The I mean, the merman bit was good too. I was also thinking the same thing as I was watching. I was like, when is this merman thing going to pay off? Cause it's not funny, but then it was, at but, the they, end. but he milked it for 90 minutes, like the entire running time. Yeah. They introduced merman like in the first like six minutes. Cause Bradley Whitford's like, I really, you know, I think we should be using mermen more often or something. And then yeah. throughout, he just casually brings it up. And then after the party, when they're celebrating, he's like, yeah, but it would have been really cool if they had picked the merman. Yeah. And then it is the merman's just crawling. Also, like, what a terrible villain to have chase you. Something crawling on the ground because it needs to be in water. Just all of it is lovely. I, the whole conceit I thought was so fucking funny. I love the detail of the cleanup being like, you can't do the merman. The cleanup is hell. And then seeing it just have a blowhole of blood, just like a wood chipper in its body, disintegrating. I love bits that deal with logistics. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, this this like character would be so funny. They're like, imagine the cleanup on this whole situation. You know, it's a great bit. I love it. It was a great bit. Yeah. Yeah, not as good as Monty Python, I guess. No, I mean whatever. that was just my opinion. I was, but it was more just because you were being so hyperbolic. Have you have you both seen the Dead Won't Die or the Dead Don't Die, the Jim Jarmusch film with Bill Murray and Adam Driver? No, is it worth watching? It isn't. I just actually watched it today instead of rewatching Cabin in the Woods. Oh, I'm okay. bad at my job. Um, but your job also, that you guys paid so much for. Yeah, man, this is paying my mortgage. <laughs> Um, all in your apartment? 38 listeners. Uh, yeah, my <laughs> 600 square foot apartment, which you can see in this uh, Google meeting. If you're paying um, a mortgage, you're getting scammed, Bob. You shouldn't be paying a mortgage yeah, I'm, and I'm rent. I'm paying you're a mortgage and at the end, I don't own it, right? That's what a mortgage <laughs> is, right? <laughs> oh, no. Okay, you need some help. We'll get together. I'll set you up. You'll pay me in alimony. That'll take care of everything. Oh, okay, great. That sounds yeah. good. We'll set that up after this uh, podcast recording. Um, but that's like a satire horror film, Jim Jarmish kind of meta. And in it, he, Bill Murray and Adam Driver uh, reference the screenplay of the film. Right. Similarly to like how Cabin in the Woods is this meta bit about tropes. And they, uh, uh, they, they never remove themselves entirely. But I just, it, your Monty Python bit kind of brought me back to it. I'm like, that's actually a pretty common trope, I think, for filmmakers trying to make a really funny joke. Is they ruin the world and they they go so meta that it just turns into reality and it turns into a movie yeah. being made. And the Holy Grail did that and the dead don't die or the dead won't die. I can't fucking remember, but they both do that. Um, and that's kind of interesting. Whereas Cabin in the Woods doesn't do it. They, they're very meta the whole time, but it remains in the plot. It's about the world ending. It's about avoiding the Armageddon. And they never like remove themselves from that, even though they're dealing with horror tropes. 
And they talk about horror tropes in the third sort of omniscient perspective. Yeah. Kind of interesting. We should also maybe contextualize our guest that he's a prolific uh, comedian and improviser in Canada. Oh, yeah. I guess we didn't and really introduce of, him. We just we just mentioned that he has a podcast. He's a so I'm going to speak for Chris because, uh, you know, he's shy and humble. He's so a, a stand up an improviser, a, a sketch comedian, a writer. And he is he's a, a real sniper with jokes like seeing him do shows. Nobody is mm-hmm. as succinct with a punchline is this guy he's so funny yeah that's a good way of putting it he is a sniper he's a joke i've I've just i've seen him say like three words and it level a whole room so he's uh he's super super funny and uh you know he hasn't been funny yet on this but i'm waiting i'm waiting we're waiting yeah (laughs) i'm swinging you'll see at the end i set something up you haven't realized it yet but i dropped my own merman reference that'll explode on in an hour from now and you'll shit your pants (laughs) i can't wait i can't wait it's that part where Uh, i said i was a fan at the beginning (laughs) at the end i'll say i wasn't a fan of your show (laughs) (laughs) and you've never actually listened to it i don't even know who you are well actually you know what yeah we've put out um I think 20 odd episodes maybe at this point. And uh, that's like almost 24 hours of 23? content. Oh, wow. We put out a full day of content, I think. I'm gaining, I, like, I'm legitimately, I think, the part two of Portrait of a Woman on Fire uh, episode away from completing your entire oh, really? series. Yeah, that one, I, I haven't seen either of those movies. So that one I got stuck on after oh. doing part one. You should watch Portrait but, of a Lady on Fire. It's real, real good. Man, I'm really enjoying. It. I think your discussion of Christmas in Wonderland was probably one of my tops. The, oh, I think some of the insider stories was really, really great. Oh man, uh, le- <laughs> your Leprechaun too. Yeah, Deucey Lep. Lep. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Deucey Lep. <laughs> Everybody loves Deucey Lep. You should get some yeah, Deucey. Think- if you guys get merch, get Deucey Lep T-shirts. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. All yeah. right. We got to pay Jennifer Aniston a bunch of royalties for a film she wasn't in, but <laughs> we'll do it. It's worth it. You get it to her deucey lip. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. I think it's crazy. Sort of like we've done two movies that Mike is. Uh, we haven't done it, but we were a guest on another podcast. And we've there have been two movies talked about that Mike has been tangentially involved with or directly involved with. Christmas and Wonderland being one of them. And the other one being Good Luck Chuck. That's right. Yeah. And it's it's kind of wild that. uh you know, it's it's fun to uh, uh, just reference Mike's, uh, you know, prolific uh, PAing career in film. Yeah, I was also thinking last night. Um, I did meet Tom Green once because I was a PA on a movie that he filmed in Edmonton. Tom See, Green. there you go. How did Tom Green get away with it? How did Tom Green get a career? What did he do? Do you want me to actually break it down, or are we gonna? Should we just save this for our <laughs> Freddie Got Fingered episode, which is inevitable? I must say, also. Daddy, would you like I'm, some sausage? I love, I love Freddie Got Fingered. It's good. It is good. What is it? it I don't know what Tom Green is. I don't know what Freddie Got Fingered is. Oh really? wow! Freddie Got Fingered is the first thing on Google. The first thing ever on Google. <laughs> yeah, it's the only thing that's ever been Googled. More than anything else. Drew Barrymore. Uh, what? She wait, ripped torn? The movie Freddy Got Fingered is the first internet search to ever be Googled <laughs> more than any other internet search. Well, it came out roughly. Wow. It's got a 13 on Metascore. Yeah, it's Tom good. Green wrote it, directed it. An unemployed cartoonist moves back in with his parents and younger brother, Freddy. When his parents demand he leave, he begins to spread rumors that his father is sexually abusing Freddy. Wow. Yeah, that's why it's called Freddy Got Fingered, but nobody knew that until you watched the movie. It was because that wasn't like a common term. I guess so. Okay, because I feel like I knew what the plot was by the title. <laughs> it's about a man being fingered, but whatever, it doesn't matter. But you would um, you you wouldn't think that they would name a movie that though. Well, Apparently, The Godfather was almost called Freddy Got Fingered. <laughs> Fredo, got fingered? <laughs> Fredo Got Fingered. Fredo Got Fingered. Oh shit! Where were you on that one, Joke Sniper? Where were you uh, on that one? Uh, no, no. Here, here's here's what happened. Chris was the pitcher, and you were the batter. That and you is knocked true, that yeah. out of the park. And you two are in a sketch troupe together, so this just makes sense. You've got a great chemistry. Yeah, it's true. We do a we great have... a great bond. It's true. Check this out. My if I say boop, Mike says poop. See, just like that. Whoa. Money in the bag. 
I am that for, is for the comedy. listeners. I'm I'm watching and uh, listening to true comedic perfection unfold before my eyes. Uh, good stuff. Let's get back to the movie, though. Oh yes. yeah, right. That's why we all came here today. That's why we got, all came here. I mean, I mean, but a good podcast is all is all riffing about nothing, and then occasionally talking and, about the topic at hand. And I think we should scream more into the microphones just yeah. to really build up, uh, you know, the energy. We got we got to scream laugh to the point that one of us like needs to catch their breath and just starts wheezing, <laughs> which happens uh, often on podcasts. One yeah. of my favorite things of this podcast is how mellow it stays and how it's just like, <laughs> it sounds like someone is just brewing coffee in the background and you can fall asleep to it. I, uh, uh, I'm not saying actually, audio. I usually have a pot on. I, I don't because we're recording this at night, but I'll usually make a half pot for a recording and just drink black coffee for two hours. It sounds like I can feel it. It's like very warm so you can fall asleep to it. So I'd love yeah. to put out an episode with you guys where intermittently one of us just barks into the microphone or screams or <laughs> well f- go feel free to just bark at random <laughs> there you go. nice okay yeah, Feels yeah, yeah. Good. all right i won't listen to this one that that's our meta bit is it actually chris i have a question for you a genuine question is it actually good that it's mellow or is that a detriment because it's a boring podcast no, no, no. It's lovely. I, I walk the dog to it. I walk around to it. It's soothing. Now, there's really? a lot of podcasts that I like to listen to to fall asleep. One of them being Dan Carlin's Hardcore History, which is <laughs> a great podcast. But he just screams. Well, he does scream when, when, he's he, does reading? Quotes, when he does quotes because he'll be like talking normally. And he's like, and here we have a first account from the Battle of Hadelfield. It's a first account from a soldier. And I quote. The arrow approach. He's <laughs> like, "What the fuck is going on, Dan?" So it's nice for I, you guys. I appreciate that you. Oh, okay, keep it that's good. That. That's I appreciate good. I, that someone like me isn't on your podcast. I also listen to that podcast, and I'll I'll like shower to it because I'm like, oh, I can learn <laughs> and bathe at the same time, wash myself of my sins, and grow intellectually. Yes, and wash uh, yourself I'll, in the blood of thousands of Mongolian <laughs> children being killed by King Khan. <laughs> And I'll set the volume perfectly on my Bluetooth speaker to the volume of him talking, but not him reading quotes. And then the quote will go off, but I'm I'm drenched in water, so I can't lower the volume. I'd break my phone. And it's the worst because I just have to suffer through some of these like quotes that he reads are several pages and uh, my ears are just bleeding the whole time. It's awful. They should really figure out how to like put a compressor on it so that that comes down and is normal voice comes up a bit just to even it out. I mean, it's yeah, not hard to figure dude. out. That's basic like audio editing. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> like they I should be able know. to I figure it out he's... considering that he probably makes money from his podcast. Unlike some of us in this room, that being all of us. I feel like Chris <laughs> makes money on his podcast, right? Chris, you making, <laughs> you making any Skrilla or what? You got, you, you I got that Casper mattresses spot sponsor. I got, yeah. I got like a small EAC grant for the podcast, but that money's dried up. <laughs> that money oh, yeah, went. right. You did. <laughs> yeah. I blew that entire wad on a tank of gas. <laughs> <laughs> wow. $250 check for yeah, an artist Yeah, I like grant. to fill up my back seat with gas. <laughs> <laughs> Just jerry cans everywhere. <laughs> yeah, uh, okay, yeah. Let's April. get back to the movie. Yes. I'm sorry. Um, back to what Chris said. What... What are our tropes? Because I honestly don't know. What are tropes? No, no. What are our tropes? The possessive. Because I don't, I honestly don't know. Uh, things that have come up often. Let's see. Um, you guys asking each other, Bob asking Mike if you have seen a film that is like by far the most obscure film that's ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> like, have yeah, you ever that seen happens. that? Film? And then Mike being like, uh, no. Uh, you watching an ungodly <laughs> amount of rom-coms and that coming up. I think that was just kind of like oh, the yeah. quarantine, that rom-com was a lot of it. Actually, I wanted to have a little sidebar and talk about Emily in Paris, which is a new TV show oh, on Netflix with Lily Collins. <laughs> sure, sure, and it's a 10-hour it. rom-com. I saw the whole thing in one day. Continue. It's a good one. Uh, another one you guys have is you'll refer to the fans as canites, and then Mike will correct you and say that we're called canines. <laughs> which I I thought we were canites for the while. Like canite. I'm not sure if you remember the wrestler Kane from the WWE. His fans were called canites. Um, oh, that's what I was referencing. Really? Yeah. Okay. So that's what I assumed. Yeah. I thought it was a wrestling. I didn't realize it was a canine <laughs> joke until later on. So I was a little confused, but that's been cleared up because it has come up 
several times. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny shit. Uh, only oh, happened fuck. one time, but I thought it was very funny. It was a very funny moment of uh, you guys were talking about mukbanging lots, which I love. Oh, yeah, mukbanging, right. right? <laughs> I already and forget then, what mukbanging is. What is it? Yeah, right. No, I yeah, you do don't it know. for you mukbang all day. You yeah, you baby. said you had a you had a you had a feet based mukbang channel, Bob. <laughs> I forgot about the foot fetish uh, riffing we did for a while there. Yeah, and by a while I mean we're still doing it. Yeah, we still um, do it. Yeah, there's a lot of like under underlying fetish talk for some reason. I have no idea why what? that is a thing. But for real, for real, for the listeners to educate the listeners because I obviously know what it is and can remember. What is mukbanging again? I think it's, it's when you get paid to like eat grotesque amounts of food online. Like yeah, oh right. Like eat, someone will eat like a giant pizza and they're just a small person. Yeah. Oh, that. Uh... That checks off everything on my list. Okay. Anyways, continue. <laughs> that. So on the mukbanging note, it's only happened maybe once or twice throughout the series, but I always laugh when it does. Uh, <laughs> where Bob will eat something on the podcast into the microphone, to which Mike will then will be like, "Okay, are you done? I'll just wait for you to be finished." And then you'll go, "Oh, sorry, can you hear that?" And Mike will say, "Of course we can hear that. You're eating into the microphone," <laughs> which I, <laughs> yeah. I always laugh out loud. <laughs> So these are things. Maybe these are more. Yeah, there's a few things. There's more some highlights. Another highlight I liked is Mike's uh, "No More Monkeys Jumping on the Bed" riff. Oh, that was good. That's definitely greatest hits mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Wow. This has been a great episode of us just hearing about our own podcast on our own podcast. I guess very fitting for the episode. So. The. the- the cast in it, I think there are some really good lesson takeaways. Uh, I think something that really justified some choices I've made in my life in that is that the smartest people in the world are those who smoke weed all day, every day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. They are immune. Yeah, that character was like cartoonishly drawn. And then I was surprised, like the way that he talked off the top, I was like, are they just going to hold this out for the whole movie? Is he going to be like this the whole movie? Cause he was always talking like this, man, like just like a, a stoner impression. And then they just, they, you know, spoiler alert, they kept that character alive the entire movie. So do you guys want to know what his real name is? Mm, Chris Kumo. No, it's uh well, I don't, I didn't really want an answer to that question. <laughs> it's Fran Kranz. Oh yeah. Right. Fran Kranz. Wow. Fran Kranz. He has been in a lot of stuff actually. Pretty amazing. Um, Terrible name, though. I, uh, maybe, maybe controversial opinion. I don't know. Fran Kranz. He's one of our only celebrity listeners. Oh, shit. Cut this out. Cut this out. Fran. Uh, Chris said it. Chris said it, not me. I didn't say shit about Fran Kranz. <laughs> Dang. You love Fran Kranz. There's a poster behind Fran. your head of Fran Kranz. <laughs> um, uh, what, what are people's thoughts on Chris Hemsworth being in this film? Pretty wild or? I forgot that he was in it. I saw it and I was like, oh shit, it's Chris Hemsworth. And this was pre fame, right? Like pre like yeah. Thor, Marvel. When, when did Thor uh, come out? Uh, good question. Oh, five. Let's look it up. Uh, no, actually, you know what? Thor, yeah, I remember uh, Thor. I remember watching Thor on TV, The Dark World in 2014, I believe. So it was shortly after this is when he started be- becoming famous. How, who became famous first? What came first, the Chris or the Liam? Hey, um, uh, check, check this out, guys, real quick. Thor, 2011. The Cabin in the Woods, 2011. There you go. Yeah. So, but one, he has short hair in it. So, what was filmed first? Probably, probably the, the short hair one and then the long hair one after that, right? But that's like a year and a half of like, he has to grow his hair for like a year and a half there. So unless he shaves He seems like the kind of guy who can look in the mirror and just flex and then the hair starts protruding out of his follicles. You mean a Play-Doh person? He looks like a Play-Doh <laughs> person, Bob? Yeah, like a spaghetti, like a meat uh, thing and you just push down and it comes out in little strings. How do you make bolognese? <laughs> I don't even know what that is. <laughs> Bolognese. Beef up. bolognese? That's a dish, right? Mm-hmm. You know what it is. Come on. I do. Yeah, I love I Anthony Bourdain. Anyways, Stop same acting year. like you don't know what what is in food because you do mukbangs every night on, on YouTube. <laughs> I forgot that I do mukbangs. I've been doing them for so long. I, it's just a part of my regular routine. Well. I, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. It's a full spectrum of experiences and senses. 
Um, that's how I pay my mortgage. <laughs> Mukbang, and that's how you pay your apartment's mortgage? <laughs> yeah, my 600-square-foot mortgage. Um, okay, so uh, we were talking about the cast. Um, Which really cast? The podcast or the both. cast of the movie? Uh, both. Uh, but let's talk about the cast of the film, the actors. Um, so we talked about the stoner. We've talked about Chris Hemsworth. Let's talk about the guy from Grey's Anatomy. Who's that? I don't know who that is. He's like the, the a poor man's prison break guy. I don't know who yeah, that his is. Name, his name is uh, Jesse Williams. Which character was he? Was he the scholar? He was Holden. Yes. Yeah, he was, he was the scholar. He was the smart one. Fun fact, um, I was watching this film recently with my uh, fiance Alexa, and as we were watching that, she said that her sister, one of her sisters, she has several, if you know Alexa, she has hundreds, if not thousands of sisters. It's true. Uh, I went to high school with one of them. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, they're everywhere. Uh, one of her sisters said that that guy is the best looking like guy, like the most attractive human in the world, which I don't know. I question based on just the fact that I think he looks a little bit worse than the guy from Prison Break. So why not just go for him, you know? Interesting opinion. That's hmm. a really hot take. I think I agree with uh, your fiance's sister. It's that, his eyes. He looks like he is a the most human leopard, like a stealthy cat that can climb trees. He's so sleek. You know what I mean? <laughs> you think he can climb trees? You think because yeah. he's like wet and greasy like a weasel? Precisely, like a super sexy weasel. And uh, I don't know. He's good looking. He's like a hot mink. I would watch him eat a giant pizza on the internet. Go on. <laughs> like a big, like a, like a big um, veggie korma pizza from Panago. Go on. Just the mm, whole thing pizza. in one sitting. Yeah. It's the only pizza you guys order. But he's not allowed that's to blink true. or look away from the camera. As he reaches for it, he has to fumble with his hands, grab the pizza, eat it. Maintaining eye contact with the the web camera. <laughs> Thoughts? Um, no comment. You're gonna cut this out, yeah. right? Uh, no, I definitely not. I I am the one who gets to edit it, so I get to take out all of my embarrassing things, but I get to leave in Bob's embarrassing things. <laughs> oh, his hyper descriptive like mukbang, whatever the hell that was. <laughs> Chris, you were saying. Uh. I was just going to say that one of my favorite things about this podcast is how uh, your both of your perspectives uh, on film is so great because you both have so much experience working in film and working in lighting. So you often have comments and perspectives on all these great pieces of art that I, as someone who's, you know, a viewer at the most, I'll like act here and there and something recorded, but that's pretty rare. Mm -hmm. So for the most part, I'm just a fan. So to hear two people who are producing it, I love to hear their opinions. I think it's great in this episode that... We're really just doing that as well. I like to see the process. Oh, we, we, oh, cool. a movie. Speaking of weasels, we were me and Bob were on a set the other day, and we saw a weasel, a baby weasel, oh, a, a, an actual weasel. It was so cute. It was and so just cute. It's a in baby weasel. Barn. Yeah. Was it on the film? No, but I got a video of it. I can send it to you later, and maybe I'll post so, it on the, the website, whatever the hell our fake website is. On our Nexopia account. On our Mike. Nexopia Come page, on. right. Keep your yeah. shit, keep your shit I'll post together. It, yeah, I'll post it on our Nexopia account, and it'll be in one of the speech bubbles of our Club Penguin. Yeah. There was a... <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that Club Penguin founder from Edmonton? Well, Nexopia is. Nexopia is, but I think Club Penguin also has roots in Edmonton. Why? I think you're thinking was... of Boston Pizza. Okay. Boston Pizza was Edmonton, right? Boston Pizza is Edmonton, yeah. And I think Club Penguin... That was Pen a stab like, in the dark. The Penguins from Club Penguin are actually the Penguins from West Edmonton Mall. And it was filmed <laughs> by the old Global Studios where SCTV was filmed. Wow. And I used to be out with the stand-ins of Jessica <laughs> Alba and Dane Okay, Cook. wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do appreciate how meta this episode is, though. <laughs> oh, shit. Wow, that is so hardcore, Chris. That was awesome. That was multi-layered. You, yeah. you tied so much into that. This episode well, will make yeah. no sense to people who've never listened to our podcast before. But if, you, if you're if you a lifelong canine, and by lifelong, I mean literally in your entire life. Because you're only 23. Because you're only 23. Because this is 23 mm. and me, the podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> then, yeah. Then you, you'll you get everything. You'll get all the bits. Yeah, yeah. It's Shit, canon. I was just going to say something about Club Penguin. Canon. <laughs> canon. Oh, good. Very good. We got to make that. 
Snipe for our from our from our yeah that was a snipe for sure yeah <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> oh Chris has still got it oh my yeah. god nice it's so nice to see this in uh, in person digitally Chris you oh. should you should start the from Justin to Kane wiki you know how some podcasts have wikis we need to get a wiki where someone just writes down just like the the dumb things people say in podcasts as if it's worth archiving. Don't yeah, you mean I'll, the from Justin to Kane wiki feet? Well, we have that, yes. Well, that yeah. oh. <laughs> wiki feet will go on the wiki. It'll be in there. Oh, I'll start the article. I'll take it from a stub to a legend. Uh, Chris Hemsworth in it. How do you think he does in the film? How do we like him? Impressed? Happy? I mean, it seemed like everybody... No, wait, it seemed like he, more than anybody, was kind of just winking at the camera the entire time. And it might just be because he has so much charm. And like natural charisma, but also I think he, I don't think he convincingly played like a high school jock because he always looks like he's 42 to me. Um, mm-hmm. 42 and hot. Yeah. He looks like he's just like a hot daddy. So, yeah. but, uh, and I've also like, yeah, that. like the, I was surprised how they kind of sold out the meta concept of the film so quickly. I thought it was going to be something that was like a late, late in the movie reveal, but they just like totally like go for it right at the beginning, which I think was a good choice, but. I also think his character was kind of winking at the meta-ness a little bit. I felt though like the characters in it got forced into kind of like the stereotypical roles, like the Mm -hmm. jock one or like the virgin where it's like me, the virgin. And they're like, we work with what we can do. Yeah. And then also comments about Chris Hemsworth character being like, why is he acting like such a macho? Like he's a sociology major. Like Why is he being such a dick right now? Like he never does this. This is so weird. So maybe the uh, organization was forcing them into these roles more so well they were it was mentioned in the film that they were all being drugged to uh, align themselves with the specific tropes because the like legend requires that there's like the virgin the the warrior the whatever right and, uh, and they and they use pharmaceuticals to do that yeah that's right yeah yeah that's why you gotta stick to the fucking gonge mate yeah <laughs> sorry I, that came out horrible <laughs> cut that cut that <laughs> <laughs> I think it would have been fine if they didn't feel like they needed to just wedge these characters in. They just let them kind of be those things. The movie is like having its cake and eating it too. I think because it's uh, they. What does that mean? They get Mike? to, they get to make they get to make fun of it. Oh wait, is this a mukbang question? <laughs> <laughs> How much of the cake did did the movie? They eat, eat? the whole cake. Uh, and what are you wearing in one sitting? It. Yeah, one <laughs> singular <laughs> sitting. Sorry, what what does that sound like, Mike? If you could just Bob is getting really Bob is getting really sweaty and red for some reason as as you, we talk about this cake. Uh, oh man! Anyway, podcast like is going to ruin my uh, school teaching career. Jesus, the entire Anyways, thing is transcribed continue. and put on the internet. So if you oh, search good. for Bob Larue mukbang, it actually comes up. <laughs> I should have used the <laughs> fake name. Fuck. Oh well. Um, anyways, so what 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 do you mean by that? Like, uh, well, it's making uh, fun the, of tropes, but then it's also engaging in the tropes, which is like a complicated dance. I feel like because on one hand, if you're going to parody or spoof something, you kind of have to like do the thing well, you know. But on yeah. the other hand, it's like if you're critiquing, uh, you know, male gazy gratuitous nudity, and then you like just go for it and just sh- show boobs and be gratuitous about it is like you're mm-hmm. making you're having your cake and eating it too and the movie does it all the time which so i think is, it can't avoid phrase, is the phrase you're either making the cake or you're eating the cake and then this film's doing both or is the phrase you made the cake and you're eating the cake what no it's you have your cake and eat it too i don't you know why the cake, they say you sleep in it yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> You, you you make the cake and you sleep in the cake. So that's the what cake, the, <laughs> just like Leonardo DiCaprio and uh, the Revenant. Yeah, inside that horse, but in, <laughs> this time, in this instance, it's a giant cake. Was that a reference to Star Wars? It was, I believe. Uh, yeah, the Tauntaun. If you, yeah, if you go back and look. He looks in the camera when he does it, and he says, "This is a reference to Star Wars." <laughs> in the camera. No, no, and it's similar to. The haunting of Hill House and how there's ghosts in the background of shots. In The Revenant, if you look closely out of focus, there's just silhouettes of tauntauns in every shot with Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio. That's sort of this like psychological foreshadowing. 
And sometimes, also sometimes you can just hear Salacious Crumb laughing in the background. <laughs> is that the oh, name of shit. that laugher is Salacious Crumb? Salacious, Salacious B. Crumb is his full name. And he's like the little, the little oh weird muppet that lives on Jabba's tail. Who oh my is God, kind is he of related like, to Victor Crumb? Um, sure. All right. <laughs> he's Jabba's cool. hype man, essentially. Mm-hmm. He just kind of like laughs at Jabba's jokes. He's part of, he's like in Jabba's entourage or something. If Jabba was going into the studio, Salacious would always be there just telling him how great he is. Salacious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, his name, he also kind of has a rapper name. Yes. So- <laughs> oh, yeah. What does B stand for? Salacious B Crumb. Probably booty because he's living on Jabba's booty. Yeah, because he sits on Jabba's booty. <laughs> yeah. Salacious Booty Crumb. Booty crumb. <laughs> <laughs> He just his names his family is named after his middle name is just based on where he like sits all the time. <laughs> oh God! Where does Salacious go when Jabba's got to do a deuce? You know exactly where he goes. In the in the butt? What are you saying? No, he goes in the top reservoir of water in the interstellar turlet. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. yeah, geez, come on, that's common upper, sense. Upper deck. It's canon. Yeah, he upper deckers himself. Well, that's where the clean water is, Chris. <laughs> it's it's just common sense. It's he wants to be involved in the process, but he doesn't want to sully his exterior with the feces of uh, Jabba the Hutt. Yeah. Okay. Well, well he, he has a bath while Jabba does a duke. He has a nice icy bath in the top reservoir of an interstellar toilet. Yeah. <laughs> and Jabba, uh, if Jabba makes a Count Dooku, if you know what I'm saying. Count Dooku. <laughs> Right. So it. if Salacious B. Crumb is crying, does he cry at the same tempo that he laughs at? Like, wah, yes. wah, 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 wah. yeah, he does. And he has a lot to be sad oh, about. Yeah, I mean, he laughs oh, because he laughs because it's uh, so hard to cry. Yeah, he has a portrait in his apartment of him in clown makeup with tears rolling down his <laughs> cheeks. He had it made for himself. Took his life savings to get that portrait done, but it really reflects he who who he is as a as a person. Based on where the whole franchise is going right now, if the next spin-off movie was completely based on Salacious P. Crumb, I mean like <laughs> I would love Jar Jar Roommates. Or if I think like I, I'd be more into super niche character studies at this point. They yeah. spend like half the money, like sixty million, and they're like, We're gonna focus on just this one character. We're not even gonna go to space. We're just gonna film in Tunisia for three months and just do a, do, do a nice character study on this, you know, whatever. Yeah, just boss Nass living in a brothel for a month in Tunisia. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe a miniseries. Yeah. Fuck you, the Mandalorian. I have to share with you guys something. So I have a I have a book. This is the Star oh. Wars Extended Universe, but I don't know if you can see this. It's called it's Tales from canon. Jabba. No, it's not canon anymore. But uh, yeah, it's called <laughs> Tales from Jabba's Palace. And it's a, can you see that? <laughs> yeah, it's all yeah. the uh, it's the greatest hits of uh, his ensemble. Oh, but look who the is long... in, who's in the. I don't know if you can see him. Is that Salacious? There's Salacious. Well, oh right, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. There he is. There he is. There's a book called Tales from Jabba's Palace, and it is a anthology book where it features short stories set in the Star Wars universe. This was a, at one point canon, but now they erased it when Disney bought the Star Wars. Anyway, so there this is, is Jabba's MTV Cribs. It's a bit, yeah, it's basically all of the characters that surround Jabba's palace. Um, mm. They each get their own story. So the the guy who is the keeper of the Rancor, like that beast that lives in the basement, uh, he, yeah. gets, he gets his own story. There's the second. What's he all about? Well, he basically just like looks after the Rancor. I didn't, fi- I didn't, re- I haven't read any of these stories yet. Oh, but I'm, oh, I just want to okay. read to you. I just want to read to you some of the, some of the names of the stories because they're really funny. Great. I mean... Uh, do you know who Ula is? No, who is that? She's the blue character with like the weird noodles coming out of her hair. Who who dances? She's yeah, like dances. A, a performer, yeah. So there's a, she's also in the movie Fifth Element. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> so there is a st- story called A Time to Mourn, A Time to Dance, Ula's Tale. <laughs> then, a Time then to Mourn, A Time to Dance. A Boy and His Monster, The Rancor Keeper's Tale. <laughs> Caster's Choice, the tale of Jabba's chef. <laughs> and then the piece to resistance. Uh, that's entertainment. The tale of Salacious Crumb. 
What? There's the tale of Salacious Crumb. Yeah, as one he, of get, them? he gets his own story. So, like, should we adapt this and pitch it to Disney? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, we could write a quick, quick and dirty adaptation. Should I just read it? Yeah, let's so go ahead. I spend let's the rest of the off. podcast just reading. That's entertainment. The tale of Salacious. Crumb. I've got all night, baby. Let's do it. What a great book. So the cabin in the woods, hey, great film, everyone. Great <laughs> wow, film, what good selection, Chris. Deep dive into cinema, <laughs> film. Um, who who did you? Because this was like a greatest hits for horror in a way. Like it was just like that scene in the elevator is a real rolodex of icons of the horror genre you've got all the tropes all the characters all the demons all the ghouls um who who are you missing who did you want to see did you want to see like a classic like frankenstein's monster did you want to see a mummy like what what were you missing both of you i'd like to hear that based on timelines i know this is impossible but i was really sad that groot wasn't in there oh like Groot from like Groot Guardians or, of the Galaxy? Yeah, from Guardians of the Galaxy. I wish Groot was in there. Not hurting anyone, but just like like running around scared. Just like, oh. <laughs> like uh, baby Groot or adult Groot? Big Groot, of course. Yeah, Vince Vaughn oh, okay, Groot. okay. Yeah. Um, and one note I'd like to make is one of those animals, probably the most, or one of the creatures, if you go back and look, one of the monsters is just a giant cat. <laughs> so I think that's a fun thing. I actually was disappointed at the end when they showed all of the monsters because I was like, well, look at all these cool things that could have happened. But they just had the most boring zombie storyline for the for like 90 minutes of the film. Yeah, I felt that way, too. I really enjoyed the part where they were differentiating be like, oh, we have zombies. I bet on zombies. I'm like, no, no, no. This is torture hillbilly zamp for zombie family rednecks. Yeah, that was good. I know that it, it, I know that the movie does not benefit from having any of the like logic explained. But also, were they like feeding all of those monsters that they were keeping in cages or like how do they survive? Good question. Great. That's a really good question. Actually, the whole mechanics of that, um, you see the seams a little bit of that whole scenario with the cabin and the woods and then the underground stuff. And it really doesn't make any sense. Like why? And also, how, how do they get the blood transported to the cutout concrete molds of each trope of person like the warrior and the virgin and the blah 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 the nerd or whatever i think that's uh, funny that your biggest issue with the movie is simply a piping issue i mean they could I, build the, the plumbing of the film done. doesn't make any sense it, maybe Chris. it's not their blood it could be other people's blood like just hold but it but why well then why no it just doesn't make any sense what explain the plumbing chris okay so there you know those like big they have handles when someone dies they pull that handle yeah. That reservoir is just some ancient blood that is originally held by a warrior killed thousands of years ago. And that's why just can't that they just do that in lieu of killing these tropes? They can. They just don't know it. It's a huge flaw. That is they could just that's do that. the that's the plot hole. <laughs> I think another kind of big, I think, explanation I give you, Bob, uh, which may be yeah. A movie that itself independently uh, has a lot of people asking questions, and now you're asking a question, what's with this big cube of animals? And I think the question of the cube lies in the answer of the movie, Cube. That simply, that was a sequel to Cube. They tested them, the cubes worked, they then filled them up with monsters. Holy shit, so Cube is a prequel to Cabin in the Woods. It is. Well, is Joss Whedon referencing Cube? That would be be like a, a baller move, as it were. If one of the monsters was a giant cube, <laughs> <laughs> there's a cube inside of the cube. That's a, like that's a reference for the horror <laughs> the horror fans because only Canadian horror fans and probably very hardcore American ones know about. Basically, cube. people who love red green love cube. Yeah, you know, they love cube? that CanCon. Is red green and cube? Uh, yeah, he is. He's in yeah. one of the cubes. What? And he just duct taped all the booby traps, and he's like, "I'm good." You get murdered. <laughs> you get murdered if you don't keep your stick on the ice. Up. <laughs> oh shit um i i it would be fun to write like uh a film that was in between cube and cabin in the woods that like really tied it in like like the business affairs the board meetings the shareholders of this enterprise that deals with the underground demon and they're like okay we've tested out the cube it totally works people are just staying inside of the cube um 
let's build a bunch of them now and uh, put monsters inside of them. If people can't get out, surely monsters can't get out. <laughs> and just do that as a film. Chris, so when we were asking you what what horror films you like, um, you brought up Cube as one of the options. I haven't mm-hmm. seen Cube in a long time, but is it very similar to Cabin in the Woods in that there's like a giant thing that a big shadow organization trap people in? Cube is one of the horror movies that you kind of left with an answer. I think when it comes to horror movies, so often it's like, oh, this crazy shit's going on. Who's doing this? What's going on? What's happening? Uh-huh. And personally, I get so much more out of movies that like make a choice and have an answer. And the more specific, mm-hmm. the better. Like in this one being like, there is straight up a giant hand of like this ancient God that's going to kill us. If I may touch on hereditary, I don't want to spoil anything here, but at the end of hereditary, that answer, it's like answered so specifically, like this is what's going on. This is what's causing this evil. It's specifically for this like demon. This is his name. This is what Salacious his shit is. Salacious B. Crumb. Yes. <laughs> That's all about. <laughs> Salacious B. Crumb. Hail Salacious B. Crumb. Praise Salacious B. Crumb. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, and in Cube, that answer is not kind of given. In Cube, the first original Cube, at the end, it's just like, wow, what is it? We don't know. You decide. Maybe they were inside a dream. Maybe they were inside a social studies textbook. What is it? And the second and third cubes then break out of that kind of boundary and they like answer and explain what's going on. I haven't seen them, but I've just kind of read about them. And apparently then they like kind of make choices yeah. um, of what's going on. So not in Are this there original. Mo- is there more than one cube? Yeah, man. They made a fucking whole Rubik's out of that shit. <laughs> oh, shit. They cubed so, it. They cubed cube. cube oh, my three. God. There's multiple cubes? Yeah. I had so, no man. idea. I think there's three. They get higher Holy budgets shit. and kind of worse. There's some really funny overacting in the very first cube, too. Like, some of the line delivery is just out of control. I love it. Oh, so cube two. Actually, it's cube squared. Hyper yeah. cube. And then you right. got uh, Cube Zero. They didn't no go with Cube no Cubed for some reason. Cubed. No, they should have. That's they like should've. a pretty common sense. They could have just added a D to the end and called it Cubed, and it would have fulfilled the same thing as having a number. And then make it the third one also coming out in 3D, and then it's doing the C in Cubed, use the number three. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Three Ubed. Three Ubed. <laughs> no, it's three oob d. Three oob d. Man, if you've made two movies and you want to make a third, and three D technology is bumping, how juicy is that for executives? They love oh, yeah. that. Oh, totally, one hundred percent. Huge, huge, huge missed opportunity for that franchise. Oh, yeah. I I saw Cubed when I was like eleven, and it really weirded me out. Why did you watch it when you were eleven? <laughs> it was on cable. Really? Yeah. Yeah. On Channel 37, which was called Encore Avenue at the time. Right. Encore Avenue still exists. Our local. Oh, really? I haven't had cable in years. It's still a channel. I guess so, yeah. Nice because no ads. It just feels like somebody just has a rack of DVDs and they just kind of pop them in one at a time. (laughs) And they're like, okay, (laughs) this is congeniality too. Let's go. And then they play Cube. That's what Super Channel was like when I was a kid. Oh, really? Now Super Channel is like a movie channel that people just don't watch because Netflix is, exists and so Super Channel is just struggling to survive but back yeah. when I was a kid you had to rent a cable box that you put on top of your TV and it unscrambled uh, Super Channel and that like, was how like you le- like legally you had to buy this box you, had to, or you, know, you just rented it you rented it and it. I think it was like 20 or 30 bucks a month and it unscrambled uh, Super Channel which is basically a movie channel so we'd rent it for a m- the summer and just have oh. and but yeah it was basically just like they would just only play movies over and over and over and over again. It was like awesome. But now I just take Super Channel for granted. Not so super yeah. now, huh? Pretty <laughs> oh, mediocre wow. channel is what it is. <laughs> Shots fired. Yeah. You guys don't want to start this war. You can't hang with Super Channel. Is <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anything else we me. want to cover about Cabin in the Woods here? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's why we're all here. Uh... I don't I don't know. Uh, Joss Whedon directed this, Mike? No, he wrote it. It was directed by Drew Goddard, who went on to do uh, the El Royale 
a night at the late night at the El Royale, whatever that's called. Oh, I've heard of that film. I've never seen it. It's good. Uh, is it good? Is it funny? I thought it, yeah, I like that movie better than this one, actually. <gasps> I think it was shot by a great DP named Seamus McGarvey. It, it was, yeah. I think. Yeah, good, great, great cinematographer. How's that for a deep cut there, Chris? Some industry lingo. That was yeah. great. I like to use the word Just DP while use the word DP while making eye contact with Mike. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I tell people all the time, I'm like, oh yeah, I work I was working with this DP, and they're like, What? What do you mean by that? I'm like, oh, director of photography. And they're like, oh. Yeah, we were oh, thank we were, God. Oh. We were shooting my hole, which had two inside. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, goodness. Uh, Maybe cut that. I, I uh, <laughs> I'm so afraid of the fan mail after this uh, episode. I got to say, all the lasagnas and pizzas I'm going to receive through mail, terrifying. What is that a reference to? Just mukbanging and large oh. meals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the canines, the canines <laughs> sending fan mail. Please film yourself eating this lasagna I made for you. Um, it doesn't matter. It's neither here nor there. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, yeah. Joss Whedon wrote it. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. Of Firefly fame. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, Joss Whedon, he, his success story must be interesting. I wonder what kind of like how he got to be like such a golden boy of Hollywood. But then I looked him up and it's like, oh, he, his, he, his parents were in Hollywood already. Oh, they were. Yeah. He had a leg up. Oh, like that's Taylor Swift. Classic Taylor Swift story. Yeah, it's a Taylor Swift story for sure, yeah. yeah. Apparently Taylor Swift is related to Obama or something like that. Yeah. Wow, crazy. Uh, fun fact about the movie, official body count, official number of dead bodies in this movie. Who wants to take a guess? 69. 69. Really? Is yeah. that actually true? Yeah, 69. Thank nice. goodness. Yeah, right. Oh, so there so. is a higher power. Good. Do you, do, you, do you think people were disappointed when this movie came out because they thought they were just watching a generic horror film and then they got like a kind of meta, look at me, I'm so clever kind of movie. And there's like, I'm deconstruct I'm deconstructing horror tropes. And Absolutely. people were just like, I want to just, I want to see the boring kind of like hacky tropes. I know for a fact, actually, because I was suggesting watching this again. And I was like, hey, Alexa, I got to watch Cabin in the Woods. Heard it's great. Want to check it out. And she was like, ah, I want to go see that like in the theater when I came with my friends. We're trying to see a horror movie. I remember liking it very much. I remember just kind of being weird. And let's see, this movie came out in what year? 2009? 2011. 2011. Okay. Oh, and also it did come out. Uh, he, uh, Chris Hemsworth filmed this about a year before they filmed Thor, apparently. Wow. They were saying, yeah. So, so uh, apparently based on the dailies, they saw Chris Hemsworth and they signed him on for Thor and Red Dawn, based on two days worth of dailies. Really? This movie. Wow. So this, this was like his big, big break. He like signed on to some really big movies as a result of this thing. Wow. Yeah. Also, apparently the screenplay was written in three days. Yeah. What? Kind of feels like it, right? Yeah. It seems like they... It if feels they, like an If they revised scene. it. Yeah. If they revised it a little bit more, it would have... Uh, wouldn't have the same effect. Feels it does like feel a like a comedy sketch scene. almost. All the like tropes that they name is like a very improv way of performing, I think. You know, you sort of like self reference the thing you're doing because you're just miming it, anyways. That old, that old trick, you know, you know, yeah. Chris, you know what I'm that talking about? That old hack. I know that insider hack. <laughs> it's when you uh, yeah. cheat it out a little to the left and then exactly. you get a bounce. And then once you have your bounce and your hues are leveled, next thing you know, you're going to cheat a little bit to the right. And then you mm-hmm. get your DP in there, and then everything's all right. <laughs> so technical. He's yeah. so, he knows so the much fact about that you film. Use the word Hugh is really impressive, actually. I'm a huge house fan. Hugh Laurie is one of my heroes. <laughs> actually, no, that's not Hugh Laurie. <laughs> yeah, it is. Hugh, Hugh Laurie is house. Wait, if Hugh Laurie's in house, then who's in about a boy? Hugh Grant. I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, okay. Is there anything else we want to talk about about this uh, 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 film? Well, I mean, on these horror uh, on these horror episodes, we don't really compare movies to other movies because we have guests. Seems like a lot of homework to ask a guest. Mm-hmm. But uh, Chris is a naturally gifted improviser. Like, is there any movie that this movie is similar to? We could find one. I think we got to choose a movie and then find the comparisons. I don't know. 
What about uh? I got a real Rolodex of rom coms in my mind at all. Oh, of times. course you do. Of course you do. How do we feel about uh, the film How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days? Have you both seen that recently? Do you remember the plot? Who's in it? Matthew yeah. McConaughey and Kate Hudson. Yes. She has Bob. to lose a guy in ten days because it's a magazine yes. article. Yes. Chris, does this ring a bell? I was going to ask if you could spell McConaughey for us. Oh, <laughs> M-Q-U-U-C-H-A-U-N-N-E-E-Y. I've got a good uh, comparison, actually. Okay. I thought of it while Bob was attempting to spell. I should have spelled uh, Salacious Crumb's name. That would have been way funnier. <laughs> Salacious Crumb. You can S- go back and you. do it. L A. No, I, I don't think I could bang that out in one. It's like asking somebody to do the alphabet uh, backwards. Come on. I can't do that. ZYXWV. Salacious. How to lose a guy in 10 days. She has like a short time deadline to create like a piece of literature, I guess, uh, that is kind of self-referential in terms of like movie tropes, in that case, rom-coms, just like Joss Whedon had three days to write this movie. So there you go. Right, right. Oh, interesting, interesting. Um, Matthew McConaughey also has stoner energy a lot of the time. Right, but also ripped like Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Is McConaughey... Is there some sort of dare that goes on in that movie or like some challenge? Like what's his spin on that? Well, the dare, the entire movie is a dare, right? Because she has to see if she can lose a guy in 10 days. It's a two way dare. So she has to lose a guy in 10 days for her um, magazine, which is like a a women's fashion and lifestyle magazine. He works in advertising and to land a contract with a massive uh, jewelry distributor he says he knows more about women than the female advertisers do. And and uh, the guy who owns the contract, he's like, well, if you can make somebody, if you can make a woman fall in love with you in 10 right. days, I'll let you take this diamond contract. And uh, it's this ridiculous slogan, like dust yourself. It's a real stupid thing. But so so they, they're both on a 10 day um, limit mm-hmm. and they're... Um, they're sort of what they have to do is an exact opposition of each other, which well, is what, why the film is a masterpiece. Of course, <laughs> beautiful <laughs> to do something like that. So bold. Uh, kind of getting my main point, I guess, would be that both of these films are kickstarted. The action of these films are kickstarted by a dare because yeah, she's there dare yeah, yeah, to then look into it. Nice. Uh, not unlike when the after a merman kill requires a big cleanup. After I watch a movie with Matthew McConaughey, I require a big cleanup. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. It's, it's all that food Matthew McConaughey ate. All that lobster in uh, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. You guys remember that lobster eating scene? I don't. Their I don't. first date, they, they eat buttery lobster. It's an absolute <laughs> mukbang. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I yeah. also required a big cleanup. But also, remember, Bob, you believe that... Lobsters eat butter so that they taste good. Yeah, it's similar to um, <laughs> you've re- yeah. you've been recorded. Chris, saying it's this. common sense. Chris, you're a you're a foodie. You're you're like a, a culinary enthusiast. You obviously know this. Chefs will feed a lobster butter <laughs> to get their insides nice and good. When you eat French fries, Bob, and you dip your French fries in ketchup, do you think that you're feeding potatoes ketchup? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, fries are tons of <laughs> potatoes, you dumbass. What are you talking about? Of course. Are, they feed potatoes tomatoes. Uh, also, a, an both. ongoing thing is Bob shit-talking uh, lobster sandwiches. Uh, yeah, yeah never eat lobster between bread. That's just the, the truth. I'll have you know, Bob, on my last day in Halifax, my vacation to Halifax, I ate four lobster rolls in one day. That is four sandwiches. That is just mayonnaise and lobster on a bun. And Listen, I'm... Chris, I'm hosting this Google meeting. I can kick you out at any moment. So why? I will. Okay. Have you never had the seafood sensation sandwich from Subway? I have. And you don't like it? No. Why? Are you kidding me? That Subway is the basis of my whole argument. <laughs> What's wrong with it? Also, the title seafood sensation. Yeah. Are you kidding me? You feel different after. 
Oh, anytime you have to ladle the seafood in between bread, you're in big, big trouble. Okay. I could go on for hours about how Subway has really gone downhill. Their chicken is terrible because it's shredded now. They use a spoon to put it onto a sandwich. And the seafood's in the same same boat. This episode is sponsored by Quiznos. <laughs> <laughs> and their slogan, I guess, is, where's Quiznos? <laughs> where's Quiznos? Quiznos? Also, I was in a small town yesterday, and... Uh, I saw, Frank. you know how gas stations will have like a Tim Hortons or like a Wendy's or a Subway inside of it or an A&W? Mm-hmm. There was a Quiznos inside of the gas station with no drive through So you had to oh, go wow. inside of this ESO and order Quiznos. Did the Quiznos have a different employee or is it the same gas station person who then just to walk and then go run a Quiznos if someone wanted Quiznos? Same, same employee. That sucks that you run <laughs> two businesses by yourself in a day. I pump the gas. I sell these cigarettes. I run and manage a restaurant being Quiznos. <laughs> you got to like put all the sandwiches on the conveyor belt. Oh, it's a whole thing. The quiz. Anywho, so a lot of similarities between how to lose a guy in 10 days and cabin in the woods, right? Yeah, yeah Absolutely. Pretty much the same one. <laughs> not They're too shabby. Not too shabby. Which is the bad movie, though, Bob? Um, don't don't do this to me, Mike. Because this mo- this podcast has rules, and you got to play by them. This hurts me and every morsel of my being. But oh, cute! There's a dog in the Google meeting. Oh my goodness! Delicious <laughs> 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 crumb. <laughs> Um, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days is the bad film, Mike. Yes. I'll admit it. I'll, I'll yeah. agree with that, yeah. Oh, what a cute puppy. That's your, what, one of those dogs that you have is your childhood dog, right? Uh, no, they're both my fiance's childhood dogs. Oh, I can oh claim that's neither. right. Sorry. I have a childhood dog. I met dog. them at a campfire situation, and I remember the, like, the childhood part, but I couldn't remember who it was. Uh, she's so cute. Oh, my goodness. What a cute dog. Yeah, she was clicking around. I just picked her up because her nails clack on the floor like a secretary typing on a typewriter. <laughs> wow. She also just did the biggest yawn. She's cute. Well, I mean, that feels like a pretty good epi, don't you think? I think I, so. I think so. Any any last remarks, uh, Piper and Chris? Uh, I want to thank you guys for having me on. I'm a big fan of the show. I really appreciate your podcast. I've been consuming it ungodly amounts as of late so i don't think i'll be able to listen to this one because i'll uh you know it's weird to listen to your own voice tons but uh i'm excited for you to keep on creating more so great work on the podcast oh well thank you very Uh, much yeah we appreciate it thank you man and thanks for being one of our four listeners you're 25 percent of our constituency and we love you for it well you've had luke and golshan on next so (laughs) once piper's on you're set well we yeah we've had all of our fans on yeah (laughs) (laughs) we got julia luke and golshan and now chris piper also piper is a true canine oh oh really is she literally yeah yeah she's a literal canine she's a dog yeah (laughs) i thought she was salacious crumb a a weird like furry alien from jabba's planet yeah salacious crumb so so if if piper is salacious are you jabba in this context how dare you yeah, but I, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. Also, I don't think I don't think Salacious Crumb is furry. I think he kind of has like his body kind of has the texture of focaccia. <laughs> what did you just call me? <laughs> just kidding. Focaccia bread. Yeah, I guess you're right. He's he has a little tuft of hair on his head, and yeah. then he's uh, quite wrinkly and. Uh, but I imagine it's like a, kind a of leathery soft. demeanor. Yeah, but I imagine it's like s- squishy and soft, like a good focaccia. <clears throat> What'd you just call me? <laughs> Watch your mouth, man. Come on. We're friends after all. Uh, embarrassing so, me in front of Chris. So Chris, how Piper, do you, the dog. Chris, how do we listen to the Marvin Berry podcast? You can find the Marvin Berry podcast anywhere you find podcasts uh, coming up, which we're going to record right away. will be the first episode of season two of the Marvin Berry podcast. Uh, oh, for real. For real. It's the first episode of season two. We're going to do the debut. Uh, let's move that. Uh, so check the, that out. What's the concept of the Marvin Berry podcast? That's a good question that I probably should ask myself before I keep on recording these episodes. <laughs> oh, no. Sorry, one second. My dog's going to have to take this out. No, keep it. I'm going to keep it. Yeah. Keep this in. Wow, Salacious is upset. Yeah, Salacious is pissed off. Um, 
Yeah, so so the Marvin Berry podcast, se- season one was filled with antics, correct, Chris? Yes, so kind of the original pitch for it was that uh, I wanted to do a podcast at the start of COVID. I kept on pitching it. And then Marvin Berry, if you want something to happen, uh, you pitch it to everyone. If no one else is into it, just everyone is silent. So I was met with silence, and I kept on <laughs> pitching it, and no one was saying anything. So then I just started phoning people on Marvin Berry without uh, them being okay with it and just record it, and that became the podcast. So it evolved Which into is so evolved. funny. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and now it's kind of more freeform conversation. So our next episode will be mostly freeform conversation. But I have uh, I've had some people pitch me with some prank ideas that they want to fulfill. So some more pranks, of course, will be featured in season two as well. Nice. Nice. Yeah, yes. There's some good pranks. There's some good pranks for sure. I get called um, a fuck and cock soccer by one of the uh, <laughs> yeah. people we prank. So that's always fun. <laughs> Uh, that's great <laughs> holy shit that's funny fuck me beautiful um, uh, thanks so much for being on this podcast Chris we really appreciate it and we honestly appreciate that you, you legitimately listen to it because um, to this day I'm amazed that people listen to this nobody asked us to do this people still aren't asking us to do this yet we have listeners yeah four and they all seem to be stoked that they're on the show <laughs> that's a good thing that's what you know when you can really give fans the same kind of treatment that's how you retain fans and, and we exactly call, we call our listeners the scholar the virgin the stoner <laughs> the jock yeah whatever the fifth one is anyway and and chris is the merman right i'm yeah. the merman <laughs> yeah yeah um awesome well awesome. okay this has been from justin mccain uh sorry this was such a Sorry, a less format-driven episode, but we we love it nonetheless. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, thanks so much to uh, Chris Borger. Thanks for having me, guys. Talk to you soon. And bye. Right. bye. Bye, everyone. That little character was just kind of a cast-off, and it was just a little hand puppety thing that Tony McVeigh just did as a as a background piece. George asked us to come up with a name for the thing, and um, we were we went out to lunch, and we had a, a couple of pitchers of beer, and we were trying to come up with a name, and we couldn't we couldn't think of it, and we were getting up to go, and my tennis shoes had come undone, and I said, hey, wait a minute, guys, I gotta let's stop and wait for a minute while I, under the influence of a couple pints of beer, tie my shoelaces. I mean, shoelaces. <laughs> and we went, that's a great name for that guy. <laughs> and so we pitched that to George and told him the story. And he said, no, it ain't going to be that. And then he came up with salacious, so he turned the shoelaces into salacious. But he was just like this guy that was just kind of, you know, anointed by George. He's going to be, you know, Jabba's little pet. And uh, that's how that came about. <laughs>